Hi, I'm Callie Miller. Growing up in an alcoholic home requires us to tell lies to ourselves and to others. And I've learned over the years that these lies can become toxic, that these secrets can literally make us sick, that what we never look at can never be healed, and that telling our stories and saying out loud what has happened to us can open the door to our healing. That's why I created this podcast, This Space, so we can have a safe place to share our stories. You are not alone, and this is the Change of Air podcast. Change equals loss. Even when the changes are really good for us, and it's taken us years to heal enough to make the changes, even when there's changes that we're so proud of making, I've recently felt a big shift in my healing. I've shared this with you all on Instagram and in our emails. So much is clicking into place. My old triggers are being managed pretty calmly. I'm using my tools seamlessly, fluidly, in the moment. I'm able to notice what's happening, see myself understand why I'm triggered, pause, respond differently, all in real time. Not always, it's not perfect. But I'm noticing that I'm making pretty significant shifts and some of the things I've wanted to change for many, many years are starting to change because I'm actively changing my behavior and I'm using my tools so regularly and so frequently. They're becoming my go-to response instead of my trigger response. I've uncovered some very old pain and I've allowed it all to come out over the past several months. You may have noticed I've been a little less active, maybe a little bit more intense when I do write. I've had to let all of that old pain be what it needed to be. I've had to listen to it. I've had to learn from it. I've also, over the past few months, been facing some very big fears, some long-held beliefs about myself. I've started to deal with some really big things in my life that I have not wanted to look at. My relationship to money, the safety attached to that for me, and all the inherent behaviors that come with that, a future episode for sure. So money, I've I've not wanted to look at really big work things, my worth, what I think I am worth, Allowing others to reflect back to me a different, lesser worth that really reflects them and not me. Oh, took me years to figure that out. But all of these things have been, I would say in the last five or six months, just a dramatic shift. And I'm feeling it. And I'm choosing big change. It's happening. And I can feel like I'm about to step in to the next chapter of my life, like the next part A part that's no longer about keeping parts of me hidden to gain approval or acceptance. A part that is no longer about holding back or hiding parts of me. A part that's no longer about being quite so measured and quite so careful in every single situation. This is all good, right? These are great things. I explained all of this to my therapist and she too is seeing these great things, these big changes. Some of these shifts are long fought for over many, many years. Uh, Some of the beauty of therapy and, and certainly the beauty in meditation 
as we've talked about on this podcast, is showing up every day for meditation, showing up every week or biweekly or whatever it is for therapy, and realizing, wow, I'm still talking about the same thing. Maybe I should do something about this. Wow, I'm still thinking about the same thing. Maybe I should do something about this. At some point, you get so tired of your own stuff that you want to be thinking something else. And so you start making changes. That's been me for many years. I've been in a a very big song cycle of change. But I would say in the past five or six months, I have felt healed enough and safe enough and using my tools almost as a go-to reaction enough that there has been space to finally look at some very big, scary things. For me, a lot of that has been money, the IRS, a whole thing. We'll talk about it. It has been work, workaholism, value coming from work, uh, codependent relationships, wanting to be the person who can do it all, never taking care of myself, saying yes when I mean no. I mean, that's 20 episodes on work that we can do and worth. Really knowing that I value myself and that being sort of the the center argument of my being instead of looking to others to tell me how much I'm worth and what what I mean. These are big. My therapist knows this. We've been working on all of these things for many years. And this space that I've had in the last five or six months because I've been doing so much healing, I've been able to kind of focus on some of these bigger things and finally have the courage and confidence and safety to face them. So I explained all this to her and she, as I said, has also been seeing these changes and she was smiling and she was so happy for me. Like, wow, you have been wanting to figure some of this stuff out for so long and look at you, Callie, you are doing it. And I am. But I said to her, then why do I feel so sad, so wistful, so out of sorts, so longing For some older time, I I know as adult children of alcoholics and certainly any of us with codependent behaviors that we've worked to heal, growing up in chaos is what we knew. And so the very notion that I'm now moving into a place of fingers crossed, a lot less chaos, I understand why my core being is maybe down for a little chaos in the face of maybe a lot of calm, right? Calm is not a thing I know chaos, we we know something about that. So it makes sense to me that I would be feeling like perhaps that I would crave some chaos, pick a fight with my partner. I don't know, miss some work deadlines just to, you know, feel a little scared again. That I would understand. But I did not expect that in the face of such change, changes I've been wanting for so long that I'm so proud of and so happy about, I didn't expect to feel so sad and I didn't understand it. The classic ACOA meme, what is wrong with me? Why do I feel this way? My therapist reminded me that all change, even great change, changes we really want, all change means loss. In order to step into who we're becoming, we have to shed parts of ourselves. And it is natural to grieve the loss of those parts to grieve the loss of how things used to be. It is natural to want to stay a little bit longer in the the things, people, places, behaviors, parts that we're shedding. It's natural to want to just hold on a little bit tighter before you move all the way forward into the new. And right now, I'm in this 
liminal space between who I've been and who I'm becoming. And it feels so funky and so sad, even while I'm so proud to have healed some very big things. And so I share this with you and I'm doing this episode because I I want you to see what it can look like and to know that this is healing. It's, it's happy and sad. It's shedding and becoming and shedding and becoming and shedding and becoming over and over again. And I also wanted to share some tools with you. You know me, have to share the tools. Anything that I found helpful, I feel like I have to give to you in case it's helpful for you. I was so surprised that when we're in the midst, if I think of myself 10 years ago, even five years ago, six, five, six years ago, like divorce happening, um, life cracking wholly apart, a lot of things that I had not looked at were just all right there. And I think of myself then wishing that someday I'd be where I am now, able to talk about this without weeping able to speak about it without anxiety, anger, all of those things. And I could never have imagined that as part of it, I'd be so proud and so sad. I didn't see that in the cards. And so I want to share a few things with you because it, it kind of shocked me. And when we do this much work to heal and change, like at the core level, our neurons and our our brain synapses and the way we automatically behave, you'd think there'd be like a little more lightness and happiness and not so much funky weirdness. So I wanted to one say, I'm feeling funky and weird, even in the midst of amazing change that I'm so proud of. In case you're also feeling funky and weird as you make change, changes that you're really proud of and have worked hard for. But I also wanted to say like, what the hell? Like why? Why? And what can we do about it? Why is this happening? Why do, I, why do I feel sad? Other than change is lost, which makes sense. But you know me, I wanted a few more details. So in talking with my therapist and other experts, I wanted to get to some sort of reasons. I wanted to get to the why and give you some concrete examples so that in case you're experiencing this or a version of this, you can feel a little bit less alone. And you can maybe identify like, ah, that's why I'm feeling this. So in talking with my therapist and a few other experts, I have identified five very specific things that can happen around this, we'll call it the funky change feeling. And I wanted to share them with you because I know how important, like as soon as I understood these and worked through them, it immediately was like, ah, yes, I get it. I can see now how something so seemingly good, I'm changing, I'm changing in exactly the way I wanted. I'm shifting patterns I've wanted to change forever. I can understand a little bit better why something so seemingly good can feel so weirdly sad. So I'm going to give you five. We'll kind of talk through them together. So the first is what I talked about, (laughs) this feeling of intense sadness. My therapist shared with me that no major change or growth happens without loss. And it can be harder when the loss is not as tangible. Um, My dog passed recently, a couple months ago, Stella. She was the last of three dogs. Uh, I lost three dogs in the last three years. It has been hard. But those are tangible losses. Dog here, dog not here, very sad. I can see it. It's tangible. 
those are easier to grok. Those are easier to kind of understand. The And I felt intensely sad. I was not okay for a chunk of time after Stella passed. Ugh, she was the sweetest pit bull. <laughs> I miss her. But that's a tangible change, right? Dog, have a dog, love a dog, snuggling with a dog. Next day, don't have a dog, not snuggling with a dog. I can understand that. Apparently, when we experience a loss that is less tangible, that is much more in the realm of behavior changes, it's it can make us confused, sad, and isolated. Particularly, she shared with me, if you are changing negative habits and behaviors, even though you know they are for the best, and though you've wanted to make these changes and you're happy about them, in those particular situations, the, the loss can feel extreme, can feel very intense. Because they're more vague, again, Stella, no Stella, clear, tangible, I understand why I'm sad. There's a focus for my sadness. But when apparently, when we're making lots of changes that are behavioral, specifically changing negative habits and behaviors, that loss, that, that feeling of sadness can be more acute. That fascinated me. That alone is the entire reason I'm doing this podcast, because it made me feel so much better because I could not place this sort of floating, weird sadness. It didn't make any sense to me. I had no scientific data about why this would be the case. So this made me feel a lot better. Still sad, but at least I understood why. The other piece to this sadness is that it can make us, consciously or unconsciously, choose to isolate ourselves from other people. I certainly have felt and have noticed myself keeping a distance, canceling plans, staying more to myself a bit. I've been posting less on Instagram, engaging less with the change of air community, which has been hard for me, but has also felt necessary. Like I felt this very strange desire to pull away. I have felt like I'm going through a pretty big shift by myself, even though friends and loved ones care for me and I know I'm supported and could reach out to them. They're not experiencing the actual change. They're not the ones changing their behaviors. And so I feel really alone in it. And apparently that's also quite common to feel this intense sadness and isolation. So that's one. Number two, difficulty concentrating, difficulty getting literally anything done. For the longest time, I was like, ah, it's maybe just all the COVID stuff. It's a, so we've been living through a pandemic. It's just extra. But I have had a very hard time getting things done. Little tasks, uh, simple life tasks. I'm like dropping. Yesterday I had, I think I spilled my coffee in the morning. I knocked something important over and like a candle wax spilled every, like every little thing was just clumsy, not like me at all. I'm not a clumsy person. Forgetting really basic things. Uh, everything has felt more challenging and I have felt quite foggy. And I keep forgetting things. Apparently this is very common. Why? Big changes and particularly, again, changes around behavior and being actively aware of our behavior, actively aware of our triggers, being triggered, checking our resilient zones, processing all that in real time, then having an appropriate reaction, and then doing that work over and over again, the work ultimately that's required to change our patterns, that engages our right brains very intensely. 
And apparently, when our right brains are engaged that much and that intensely, when we're really processing a real-time trigger reaction, trigger response, where am I? Am I resilient zone? Am I high? How do I get back down? Doing that real-time, while someone doesn't even notice it, you're just engaged in a conversation, takes so much processing power that our left brains don't have a lot of space left, a lot of energy left to process. So apparently it's very common because our left brain is the side of our brain that we use to, you know, not spill the coffee, to remember to take out the trash, to not forget someone's name in the middle of a big presentation, which I did recently. Those kinds of things uh, are left brain. And when we're using so much of our brain power, tackling big behavioral changes, apparently it's quite common to stop processing like basic things, not being able to concentrate. I've noticed that something that normally takes me an hour is taking me three hours to do or I need to get up super early and be have no distractions at all so I can get it done. And I'm normally a great multitasker. So I have been told that this is a sign that the work we're doing, this right brain work we're doing, is a very positive sign. It means we're doing very deep behavioral change work. In the short term, it might mean that we forget things, uh, take three hours to do a one-hour presentation, whatever it is. If I back up and see the bigger picture, I realize it's a not bad trade-off, but it made me, again, why I'm sharing it with you, it made me feel so much better to understand why that was happening because I was very confused why something so great, these changes, would make me, one, feel sad, feel totally alone, and make me unable to do basic things that I used to do totally fine with no problem. That's why. Number three, becoming super irritable. And I don't mean irritable and like the righteous anger at being an ACOA and I can't believe this has happened to me and I can't believe that my parents' behavior affected me this way, right? That kind of anger. I certainly, we've talked about in the last episode about our resilient zones, I bump high in my resilient zone and that is hot heat. This is not that. I've been really cranky for someone who's making changes that I've long dreamed of. Again, I couldn't figure out why. Apparently, if you are undergoing any changes in your life, as I am, as we are, as we are trying to change these behaviors, if they involve other people, which a lot of mine do, hello, setting boundaries, you may get irritated with those people. (laughs) Whether they're being irritating or not, you may get irritated with them because unconsciously or consciously, you have a fear that they are not going to want you to change. And maybe they don't. We'll talk about that in a minute. So there is this immediate, like you're you're putting down boundaries, you're changing behavior, you're responding differently. And I have noticed two things in my personal relationships and in my work relationships where I've gotten like super irritable, this like conflict that's, again, very different from like ACOA righteous anger. One, it has definitely been work. So I have noticed, obviously one of, look, we'll do a million episodes on, uh, I mean, a million, at least 10 (laughs) about ACOAs at work. And as you guys know, I mentioned it just yesterday, I'm creating something really special for us soon on ACOAs at work. 
work is already super triggering for us. It's definitely a place that has been harder to show up in and feel safe in as I've made some of these changes. And and so this is one of two within our super irritable topic. One of the biggest changes that I've made is saying no. Boundaries and saying no. At work, in every work relationship with clients and their companies, I am asked to revisit those boundaries a hundred times a day. I also need to change some of my work relationships and my client relationships permanently so I'm in a safe space uh, much more often so that I find myself in safer spaces where my boundaries are honored uh, the first or second time, not the hundredth time or not ever. But as soon as you start changing and saying no, my goodness, do you start to see who benefited from you not having boundaries in the first place? And oh my goodness, because it can it cause friction and irritation on their part and yours. I am, you know, starting to actively choose less friction and start to make some big changes in my professional life. So I'm entering safer spaces that are, again, going to honor my boundaries. Harder to do when your income is involved. Obviously, that's why we need at least 10 episodes about this. But that's one piece, right? Like setting boundaries and there's this irritation and friction on your part, I'm finding like, I said no. Like, how many times do I have to say no? How many times do I have to say this is exactly the amount I'm going to work? Or this was the scope we agreed. It's so much to enforce the new behavior that much. And I get irritated. And they do as well. Because they benefited from me, like, having no boundaries and saying yes all the time. Working crazy hours every weekend, etc. Again, workaholic. ACOAs. Children of alcoholics can become workaholics. And I absolutely live up to that. Uh, it's one of the things I'm most proud about starting to sort and heal from and kind of set boundaries. So there's an irritation there. There's also an irritation in my personal relationships where I've been with these people. They've been in my life, family members. These people have known me a very long time and they know how I used to be even five months ago. They know the way I used to get triggered. They know the way I used to respond in a certain situation. And I've done the work to heal and now respond differently in those situations. But they, no fault of their own, because I'm not, sh- I haven't shown the changed behavior enough in front of them because it's so new for me, that they assume I'm going to react the old way. They put me in the box that I've always been in. And I get so annoyed that they assume I'm going to do that when I'm no longer going to do that. And I've had so many conversations with my partner about this. Like he expects me to be in a certain situation and do what I've always done, freak out or get angry or shut down, whatever it is. And the old me would have done that, but the new me is not doing that. But they expect that the old me is going to show up. And so it also takes time for the people in our lives, whether that's our work colleagues and all the places where we're setting boundaries, whether that's our alcoholic families and all the other family members who are maybe have no addiction problems, but absolutely don't believe that it was as difficult as it was growing up, have to set a lot of boundaries with them or our personal relationships. Everyone's going to take an adjustment period, getting used to these particular kinds of changes. I'm not moving to another city. I didn't lose my dog. I mean, I did, but you know, Uh, these are behavior changes that they also can't see as we talked about a few minutes ago. So it's going to take time. It's going to take me saying no a lot. It's going to see them. Ah, she says no. 
She has boundaries now. We will maybe ask less. <laughs> we will not expect that she's going to blow up in this one situation that she always blows up in. We're going to give her the space to show up differently. That's going to take time. But if you have been making big behavior changes and you're noticing you are finding more friction than ever, especially after we've just healed from all this friction, it like baffled me that I was feeling this way. That's why. It makes complete sense to me now. Learning this helped me process it and helped me feel a lot better about why I was getting so annoyed with people and they were getting so annoyed with me. That is why. Number three, super, super irritable. <laughs> Number four, directly related to this. Anytime we are making changes this big, this consequential, it's going to affect every relationship in your life. It affects everyone I work with in any capacity. It affects anyone I interact with, all my friends, all my relationships, my family members. Just taking that same example of learning to say no and setting some boundaries and meaning it. I used to say no all the time, but I didn't mean it and they knew it and I would do the work anyway. I mean it now. It feels different now. And what happens already I've seen is, again, I always mention something like this, but there's a famous Instagram quote about setting boundaries and the people who benefited from them most are, you know, the ones that are the least excited that you have started to set them. It's true. When we make these kinds of changes, it will affect every relationship you have because essentially you have been making changes for you to show up differently and depending on how long these relationships have been in your life, you're showing, you're showing up differently not only for you, but for them. And they had no choice in the matter. So what can happen is you lose relationships, whether that's friends. I have a lot of friends who are have been sober for years and in, in order to get sober, lost friends who only wanted to drink with them. I know that in setting some boundaries around certainly with my family, who can be difficult. We speak less because I've been clear on my boundaries and I mean them and they know that I mean them. It can also, however, mean that friendships, I'm thinking of one of mine in particular, that fell apart because I had no boundaries <laughs> or because I, I really was blowing up at XYZ thing, have newly been repaired because we've been able to, I've been able to see, ah, this was the thing that annoyed her so much. And this is why we sort of stopped spending more time together. Uh, or in the case of COVID, you know, like having the Zooms together. It can go both ways. But any amount of change in your behavior is going to change the nature of your relationships. It, it can't not. And that's part of the reason for this sadness as well. Because, and that's why I feel like I'm in such a middle place, because I feel like I've only been newly, new behavior changes with maybe 30% of the people in my life, 30% of my clients. And I, I have this worry and trepidation that once I'm wholly myself, my healed self with boundaries everywhere, there's going to be a lot more friction, a lot less friendships, a lot less work relationships. It'll all work itself out. But it's very natural and apparently can be this particular super irritable as we talked about. And then friendships coming into question or being newly shaky can make us question if these changes were worth it. Should we maybe go back? But 
if this is happening for you, if in any of the changes you are making in your own life are affecting the relationships around you, you are all actually on the right track. It means that you have actually made the changes because it, it, if you have truly made the change, it can't not affect every relationship in your life. If nothing's changed in your relationships by you fundamentally changing how you show up in the world, then, then that would actually be the thing to worry about. So it, you're on the right track if everything feels a little funky now in your relationships. Which brings me to number five, and very, very easy to do. And I have noticed this myself over the past six or seven weeks in particular, which is longing for like simpler times, longing for even the familiar, even if the familiar was a chaotic home, a stressful work environment, uh, a relationship full of arguing. It's not like I've been like, I'm so happy. I'm making these changes. I'm really proud of. Let's go get in a fight with my boyfriend. Um, It's not like that. But (laughs) I have noticed myself really feeling wistful for maybe like the time before I really understood I was an ACOA or I knew, but I didn't really, really know the true effects of it all. I have found myself wanting to like go back there to like how it was then before I had to change all my behavior, before I knew what a resilient zone was, before I even noticed I was behaving out of, you know, proportion to the situation at hand, like way before I even understood myself and started to heal. I've noticed that I'm, I've been kind of missing that time, which for me is like 12 years ago, 15 years ago. In all this change, I have been craving like getting back there. Apparently, this too is extremely common. Even negative familiarity, even negative home environments, anything that feels familiar, like we'll want to cling to a little bit as we're in this middle space of making the changes, having some friction with friends, feeling isolated, all of those things. And then just thinking, ah, before we're all the way changed, before we're all the way on the other side of it, I have felt this real desire to pull back to like 15 years ago when I didn't know any of this. I was like just totally unaware. Sad, things were missing. Like I didn't know all this. And I've really noticed a desire to go back there. Apparently this too is very normal. And that apparently when we're making big, complex, difficult changes, like behavior changes that have been ingrained for years and we're shifting them, apparently it's very normal to regress and to kind of go back to old relationships, so be aware, uh, old, old behavior patterns, kind of like one last hurrah before we really, really change. Um, apparently that's very common. So if you are feeling that, you can know that it's okay and is a sign that you are in fact making big changes because it's very natural when we're making such big changes to kind of feel like, oh, 15 years ago was pretty good. Let's get back there. Even if 15 years ago wasn't pretty good and it wasn't. <laughs> so I share those with you. Uh, my therapist walked me through like 30 of lots of different little things. But as I examined myself over the past few weeks of, of really trying to get at why am I so sad when I'm making such big, important changes that I've wanted for so long, these five things helped make me feel so much better and helped give me a little context for why I might be feeling these things. So I share these with you. So 
as always, you feel less alone so that you can know that if you too are making really big changes and you're proud of yourself, I'm proud of you first and foremost, but it can feel really confusing to make big changes that you're proud of and be like, so then why do I feel so crummy? Why do I feel so sad and tired and everything feels harder? I thought everything was going to feel happier, cleaner, easier, smoother, all the things, shinier. (laughs) And it's not so, at least not yet. And that's the message I'll leave you with is that in some reading I've done, and certainly in chatting with my therapist about this, because I, I've been struggling with this for a while, this, this notion of change being loss. All of these things are, I don't want to say temporary, depending on what we're dealing with and depending on what changes we're making, but we are, when we're experiencing these that I've talked through, it's when we're in the newest version of making these changes and trying them on the most and setting boundaries the most, right? Like it's new behavior. I think of like training a little puppy to learn. I got to learn it again and again and again and again before they are leash trained and know to go to the bathroom outside. Similarly with us, we are little puppies in our new behavior (laughs) and it takes some time. And this sadness and this funkiness and this wistfulness, we will get to the other side of it. This is a natural process of all change being lost. And that to step forward into our newly healed selves, this process of feeling really funky in the middle as we do it is super, super common and is a sign of us making real change. And that I think is probably worth feeling funky and sad for a while. I am looking forward, however, to being on the other side, as I know I'm sure you are as well. I wanted to share this with you so you've got some additional understanding around why in case you're feeling the same. As always, thank you so much for joining. I'm so honored that you're listening and I will talk to you very soon. Thank you.